You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined once again by Corey, the Bayou Benders, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. I'm doing a lot better. Um, I am getting sick again because it's uh, it keeps the weather went from it was like a, a nice 70 degrees, then it dropped to like I don't know 50 50 ish, and then back up to 70 uh, within like I wouldn't even say 12 hours, and it did that two days in a row. So I've uh, I've re- acquired a bit of a cold again uh that can't stop me from working because uh mardi gras fucks everyone but i'm doing good though buddy um a lot better than uh we were doing a little little bit last episode uh but how are you man i'm pretty good uh just got off of a hectic last few days to say the least mm-hmm. i came back down from ottawa wednesday drove back up to ottawa yesterday and drove to the sens game nice sat in the lineup to get man can i tell you the canadian tire center fucking sucks i hate eugene melnick with such a passion um jesus well fuck me man i get I'm just going to go right into it. I get to, we leave the restaurant, but five minutes out of the Canadian Tire Center. Okay. Around 10 after six. I hit the line to get into the building at 620, like to get into the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So puck starts, game's supposed to start at seven, puck drop card, probably like quarter after, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, we got plenty of time. We'll get in there, whatever. Like I'm there 40 minutes early. <laughs> Don't get into the parking lot until about 7.30. Like to get like yeah. parked. Because if you ever been to the Canadian Tire Center, you understand there's no above ground or underground parking. It's all just spread out. And it's 50% capacity. So Eugene can't be bothered to pay people to work. So not all the gates are running. They've literally, they're stopping traffic in Ottawa. Like it's brutal. Right. Um, finally get in, get up to the fucking gate and get told that my girlfriend and my other friend, there are four of us, uh, can't bring their purses into the Canadian. <laughs> like, excuse me. You think I'm hiding a bomb in my little handbag? Like we don't have concealed carry or anything it's there are no handguns in this province so had to walk couldn't wouldn't even let uh me and my other friend go in and let the girls like go back to their car and we could go get our seats that don't make no sense wouldn't let us go in 
So come back, I fucking missed the whole first period. I was no, I was livid, absolutely livid, all because just the most horribly run organization fucking building so, in the goddamn league. So that's fucked up. Like, see down here. Um, now I don't, you don't really have to worry about your purse and shit down here or like and items like that. They'll check it. But I know yeah, just fucking like check it, right? <laughs> I know some in some cases, like you go to festivals down here, you have to have a see-through bag, right? So I guess people down here are accustomed to that. So when they go out to shit, they tend to bring the see-through bag just in case, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you got like basically I got my wife like a, a white claw because you know we sell them we i got her like a white claw fanny pack or like the whatever the fuck you youngsters call it that satchel looking thing um uh the the chewbacca fucking uh ammunition belt that goes across your chest like that i know yeah i I know that version of the fanny pack yeah (laughs) I, i just don't know what it's called anyway well i got her one of those that way you know when she goes she goes to like uh we have like an edm festival down here called buku uh so that way when she goes to that or like voodoo fest she has something that she can she can put her stuff in and not worry about not being able to get in excuse me i'm fighting a sneeze um (laughs) jesus christ so yeah so i guess like down here we're just accustomed to shit like that but then again we don't have people telling us we can't bring in a purse altogether. Like it's not like, even at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's not a backpack. It's a fucking purse. And it's the middle of winter. Okay. You're talking about 70 degree weather. It's like minus 15 last night while I'm trying to get into this game. It's cold. P- like cold and every, wet. every woman on the, okay. Maybe not 98% of women on this planet carry around a purse. And unless you go to the games often, which most people that go to Sens games are usually the opposing team, because I got a funny, funny story about that game. We'll get into it. But yeah, I, I was just shocked. Like, how are you going to? And it was like a woman telling us we couldn't like, bitch, fuck. Like, like you should understand. You uh, should understand. It was ridiculous. I was. I'm not going to lie. I'd be livid, too. I bought tickets for this. I sat in your ridiculous lines. Um, and it's like you don't want to be that type of person because, you know, that they're probably short-staffed and they're going through the shit, too. But I've never heard of a place that has that doesn't have it, uh, like, available for you to understand. Uh, good luck for me trying to figure out how to make that sounds so correct i've but I've like been how do you before. not how do you not have it known no backpacks like if it's because of like the stuff that's happened in the ukraine with russia that should be something that's you know emailed hey well, you bought tickets you can't bring in a backpack due to circumstances exactly. you can't bring in a purse due to circumstances that shit should be like i don't know if they have a fucking screen outside of the center that you know tells you like upcoming says, events and shit like so that. They have a they have a little fucking sign that you can't see until you get to the up, front of the line. Yeah, up at the front of the line. That says no eight by eight backpacks, Woo! not God. purses, but it's eight by eight. 
and my girlfriend's little handbag <clears> isn't <throat> i was just and i've been to the canadian tire center before yeah i've it's never like your third seen game this year <laughs> yeah i've i've never seen i think it's my fourth game this year like i've never awesome. heard of this rule so this is a new rule they've implemented and my buddy was saying too you think you'd have that on the fucking ticket hey we changed the rules no purses and it wasn't just us like the reason they had this backflow was because of the amount of people walking back to their cars yeah because it's all it's all a you know a last minute thing hey good luck and i'm sorry but even from like a monetary perspective like a business how the hell are you expecting all these women to pay for their shit you want them to buy concessions you want them to which by the way half the fucking concession stands aren't open because eugene won't staff them yeah i waited in line Corey, for 25 minutes or maybe 20 minutes like the whole intermission Mm -hmm. to get a beer to get to the front and they go oh uh we don't have anyone with smart serve here nice and I don't know if smart serve is like you have to have it to serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what, what is this guy doing? Like, how, how are you running this fucking bit? I was, was livid, but the game was good. The game was fun. Um, I love seeing the Habs in Ottawa because it's like seeing a Habs home game late. Right. <laughs> and, oh, um, I so, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, I've seen, uh, I've seen a few Habs games at the Canadian Tire Center. And, you know, the house fans are always loud, but they don't usually, it's usually a 50, 50 battle. Like they uh-huh. don't drown out the sense fans. Uh, I don't know if you could hear it on television, but three minutes left in the game, sense pulled their goalie. Canadian tire center was going, Ole, 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 like drowning out wow. <laughs> the sense fans. It was fucking hilarious. And at the end of the game, <laughs> I can't remember who the second star was. It was some sense player. Came out and he got booed. Jesus. Booed, booed in his own arena. Lecky won the first star. He came out. Huge applause. Habs players, when they were coming out, right? When they were getting off the ice after the win, they all went over uh-huh. and hugged Andy. Uh, Andrew Hammond, sorry, the hamburger. Yeah. Hamburglar. <laughs> um, fucking, I've never seen this in my life. As they're coming off, they 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 skate around the center of the ice and salute the fans, mm. like it was their home. It's their home game. It was amazing. The place <laughs> erupted because they know they know it's like a, it's a second home game for them. Every time Montreal plays Ottawa, they all come down from Quebec. It was amazing. I've never seen that in my life. If I'm a Sens fan, if I'm Shane Ryan right now, I am fuming that some other team did that in my building. I've never seen that in my life. Jesus. <laughs> it's something to behold. Um, well, uh, so, well, just say it now. Folks, we have a we have a special guest for you guys. Uh, it's a friend of the podcast. He's been on multiple times. He's normally on when things are just absolutely at its worst because that's when his comical presence is at best. But we figured this would be just another – uh, just as good to bring him on too. Uh, we're gonna have Michael on soon, but um, I wanted to ask you before we do jump into Michael's uh, rant. I'm sure. Um, so at these games, can you pay cash or is it all card and like uh, phone transactions? 
What's that, sorry? Uh, for like when you were at the concession stand, is it all cashless now? No, they take cash. Okay, down here, it's cashless. And it's the same kind of situation. There is a sign, you know, when, you, when you're when you in line, but you can't really fucking see it till you get up there. See, I have a problem people with or that. People have their cash out, you know, and it's like, oh, we're a cashless venue. We're a cashless venue. <laughs> I, I am of the personal belief that that should really, like, honestly be illegal. And I say this as someone who still currently works in customer service. Look, the cashier that you're screaming at to take your $20 bill isn't the fucking problem, okay? And you need to back the hell up. But I do I do feel for those people because mm-hmm. the whole cash, at least in Canada, Corey, I don't know how it is in the US. It's horrible. It's legal tender. You have to accept it. The same way you have to have in any store, any business, you have to accept debit and credit you got to be able to accept cash, especially for older people. Like it's money. You have to be able to accept it. I just, I don't know. That bothers me. I think I know personally, like I'm someone that I hate. I don't know if you've got this new fad in the U S where it's not new, it's newer where I'll go to a fucking subway and I'll pay for my sub or whatever on debit. Right. Uh-huh. And it'll pop up. How much would you like to tip? Not a question, would I? How much would you like to? I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not tipping <laughs> to buy a fucking, like, you know what I mean? I'm just, yeah. I hate that. Like, I'm not tipping to buy a fucking sub. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, he's doing his job. It's not service. And as someone who works at McDonald's, none of us get that money. So I don't know where that fucking tip money goes. Yeah, right. And even like, even at a restaurant, I don't know how you feel. Like, when I'm tipping, I never tip, like, I, I, I prefer to tip in cash because at least then I know who, who it's going to and who's getting it. Like, mm-hmm. I think cash is still important. So, yeah, I, I feel for those people that walk up to that line with cash in hand because, like, yeah, you know, and, they, and they and they they push the bounce and say it's during it's for COVID because that's that's literally the only reason it got put put into um fuck i don't know whatever whatever word i could use in there uh the, that's the reason why it's around because of covid but some people you know they draw money out when they get here for that specific reason i don't yeah. want to overspend so i'm going to draw out 70 bucks that way i don't go over my limit and then this motherfucker gets to the car to the front and they're like all right, uh, it's a cashless venue. So now he's already in the whole 70 because he's not putting that money back in. Now he's got to, you know, pay another $30 on his card. So he's already, or he or she is already in the negative. And that cash, they're going to spend that too. So now they're, they're in the hole for fucking, you know, 110. Easy. Well, yeah, and I think I can maybe even resonate more than you can. Every time I go to the U.S., I don't pay for anything with my debit card because you have to go through this long process of okay i gotta tell my bank i'm going to the u.s then shut down my bank account i have to set it up ahead of time which can take forever because 
there's transaction international transaction fees, right? Every time you use a card, they're going to charge you money because it's going in the US. Plus, I got to figure out what the fucking exchange rate is. And I don't want to do that in my head while I'm buying. Mm-hmm. So I always, if I go to the US, I, I grab American cash and go to the embassy. I go to the cash exchange. I get <laughs> cash and I use it. And especially in a place like Louisiana, you're talking about going to these venues. I bet a lot of those people are tourists, but you, a lot of them only have cash too. So yeah. Yeah. Kind it's of a, a frustrating. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It is a nightmare. Um, but so here's another thing um, you had talked about, you know, not having the staff to open up everything. I agree with that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm from a smaller market, so I'm going to say that the the Pelicans are very similar to the Ottawa Senators in their respective leagues. No one gives a fuck. Um, so, like, I'm selling out, you know, like Billy Eilish, right? There was, like, 14,000 people in there. Big Pelicans game, 7-5. You know, so they don't open up all the stands because they're like, fuck it. You know, we didn't even <laughs> – we didn't sell out. Why, why are we open – why are we going to have a fully functional, you know, uh, arena and pay all these people to barely do fuck all when we can open up half the stands and then they get fucking obliterated, you know, but it's, it's just all about ways for them to save money. Um, I'm not going to lie. I love as a worker when they do that, because that's less shit I have to do as a fan. I'm not standing in the one nacho slash beer line, you know, for fucking 45 minutes to then get told, we don't actually have anyone that can serve you alcohol at a fucking hockey game. Sorry about that. Dude, I'd fucking, (laughs) I'd walk to the fucking office and just be like, look, you fucked me at the gate. I've walked it twice. And now I can't get something to drink. I'm thirsty. I've been walking this entire place too fucking long. I'm out. Give my fucking money back. I'll be at the next one. <laughs> just just, oh, just make it, it for was, the next one. I I get what you're saying as, as an employee. You know, you love, you know, half capacity. You know, it makes your life easier. But at the same time, I don't... Customers should never be assholes. And I will never support someone being rude to someone who works in customer service but at the end of the day you are in customer service okay expect (laughs) it i I went from the service industry to the beer service industry it's it ain't much better i'm not even saying i'm saying if i go to a hockey game i shouldn't have to wait in line i i shouldn't not everything should be closed okay i should be able to get a beer i should be able to do this because it's an experience it's an experience i paid Mm -hmm. for and is it a privilege that I get to afford that? Yes, but it's not a privilege that I get to then buy beer from you because I'm paying to come have this experience. And that experience is the hockey game. It's getting the right. beer. It's getting this. It's getting that. It's overpriced. The le- like, I need to be able to get to it. You know what yeah, I'm it's like you're going to pay for it. So I should at least be able to get to it immediately. Exactly. And yeah. I think... I don't know, man, like that, that, that stadium is, it's a nice place, but I think the way it's run and with how far it is out 
for the city. Like there, there's a reason Habs were saluting Habs. It was a home game for the Habs because <laughs> the, the fans of Ottawa, the citizens of Ottawa are not putting up with it anymore. And after only going to four games this season, I, I do kind of understand why. Cause even Sens fans, like they're getting booed and they're getting heckled in their own building. <laughs> like, I wonder how ridiculous. I wonder if Michael's been to a game out in Ottawa. Um, we'll have to ask him about it. Uh, well, yeah, look, on. let's just, uh, let's just bring him in. All right. So yeah, uh, we might as well bring in Michael now, but uh, I think back for his probably third appearance this season, uh, <laughs> Michael's back and um, we'll tee you up right yes, now, sir. Michael. Um, All right. So we were just talking right before you came on. Uh, Mason had a bad experience at the Canadian Tire Center last night. And our question to you was whether or not you had gone to a game in Ottawa. So I have not been to a game in Ottawa for two reasons. One, I don't like Ottawa. I've been once. It wasn't a great (laughs) experience. And two, I hate their goal horn. I'm I'm never going in that. I hate it watching it on TV. So I would never go in person. Uh, and I mean, why would I go watch the freaking Senators of all, of all teams? Like they're, uh, I don't know, a team that has Brady Kachuk on their top line. I'm not doing that. Well, honestly, it's a, it's a free, it's like a Habs home game light for cheap because it the is. amount of Habs fans there is ridiculous. It's all Quebec plates. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Games against the Sens, honestly, aren't that, they're never that entertaining, are they? Like they're always low scoring, I feel. They are. Last night was a good game, though. I thought it was six yeah, it was seeing the Hamburglar come back, eh? Yeah, both goalies performed pretty good, actually, yeah. Oh, I know. I called Murray a fucking third stringer, and he comes out with these windmill saves. and Bro is 45 years old, man. It's like, he's 45. <laughs> <laughs> he's out here doing all that. Like, hey, good for him, man. I respect the hustle. <laughs> Hell yeah, but, man. Uh, anyway, I think we just need to hop right into it yeah. we've been teasing this for a while uh-huh. it's been a few weeks now Corey and i are self-proclaimed ducharme haters but the king is here not to this calendar oh yeah <laughs> so oh, we're yeah. giving we're giving you a platform and we're just gonna let you rip here let's hear your thoughts on ducharme getting fired okay uh well i have a lot of things to say number one i'm gonna i'm gonna point this out because not i feel like not a lot of people knew this but Gordon and, and Kent Hughes came out twice when Ducharme was head coach and said that he wasn't getting fired before the end of the season, right? And <laughs> <Yeah>. Ducharme <laughs> man, managed to shit the bed so bad <laughs> that, that he got fired. Like, after uh, five games after Hughes was, you know, uh, in, like put in place, right, as GM. So I think that's actually pretty, you know, incredible. To, it, it kind of points out how bad Ducharme is at, at his job, right? And why he should never ever have a job in this league ever again. But, you know, it's it's the NHL. He's going to find one. <laughs> but um, I'm going to say this. I've, I've always, you know, there was, that, there was that dilemma, you know, where do we want to tank or do we want to actually hire a competent coach who's going to help us win more games? But even with that, we'd still finish with the top five pick, right? So people were discussing that. And I think that, you know, especially with how the draft is this year, where – you know, a lot of people have Shane Wright going number one, but I don't think the talent drop-off is that huge right at the top. You know, you've got, like, Simon Nemec. Uh, you've got Slavovsky now. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He was outstanding at the at uh, the World Cup, at um, the Olympics. You have Matthew Savoie, Logan Cooley. You've got all those guys. I don't think the drop-off in talent is that big. 
for you to really keep on tanking. And even if you finish as the worst team in the league, you're not guaranteed to get Shane Wright. So I think in that sense, and you combine that with the fact that Ducharme was ruining Cole Caulfield, I think that's... Mm -hmm. um, I think that's pretty. Um, I think that was a good enough reason to fire him because you talk about development and Cole Caulfield's a huge part of. Uh, he's a huge part of your future here, right? So you needed a guy that was going to come in, you know, actually have concepts, a system in place that would cater to the young guys on his team. And we're seeing it now because Caulfield's been on fire, not just you know in production wise. He's been noticeable all over the ice. He's been dangerous every almost every single shift he's been on the ice and. You've seen a clear change in the way they play. I think the one point that Saint Louis emphasized in his presser, and, and a few of them actually, was he was going to focus more on the play without the puck of those players, right? And that's one thing I've noticed is that a guy like Josh Anderson, who I've been very critical of in the past, <laughs> because he, he was usually extremely invisible off the puck, looks a lot more noticeable off the puck now with uh, Saint Louis as coach, right? So I think we've seen a lot of positive changes, but you know, I'm not going to get ahead of myself here because we've seen this before, you know, where Habs coaches have come in, been very good at the start and have kind of flamed out there. So I need to see it more, but it's definitely very encouraging. Definitely. And I think the biggest thing with St. Louis, whether he sticks around or not, which I think after this season, it's likely he will if he so chooses. Oh, yeah. If he came in and lost every game, I wouldn't care. If all he does after this, if he doesn't win another <laughs> game, all he had to do was revitalize Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, and this yep. this was a victory. Like this was a great signing. The fact Jeff, that he revitalized Jeff Petrie too, like that's exactly. outstanding. <laughs> I don't, and this is a bold. I don't even think Ben Sherratt has been as horrible as he usually is with St. Louis with back there. All yep. the guys look more involved. They seem to care. They seem happy to play the game again. <laughs> Exactly. And this hiring just, I think not only did it highlight how horrible Dominic Ducharme is, and we all should have seen it coming when he benched Kale McCarr at the fucking World Juniors. But yeah, I, I don't think we realized just how, or some of us, some of the fans realized how horrible Ducharme was. Because I think it's fair to say, I think St. Louis is a good coach, but he's not not a Jack Adams winner. And the fact that Caulfield has been playing like this just really highlights how much of an anchor Ducharme's system or according yep. to Jeff Petrie. No system. Yeah, he had yeah. No system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ducharme literally went out and admitted in front of the freaking media he had no system. That's that's the part that actually got me really at, at that point where it's like, okay, no, no. Just like <laughs> it got, you know, it got to a point where, you know, we're all joking about how bad Ducharme was. But when he came out and said that shit in the media, I, I lost. I, I lost it. I was like, "There's no, there's no possible way this man has a job right now." Like, <laughs> there's no, no, no. It, it, and after that, he started making these awful quotes. I'll, I'll bring up a few right now. I remember after the game against Edmonton, we lost. I think seven to the, seven to two. I think, and McDavid didn't have a point. Right? Ducharme oh, I came remember out this came one. Out, yeah, <laughs> Ducharme came out in the media and said. Listen, we held we held their best player to zero points. If you had told me that before the game, I would have told you we would have had a good chance of winning. He, I saw that shit, and I'm like, okay, uh, please, no, no, no. Like, I don't care about that. Like, literally, if if it takes getting to the tenth pick in the draft, I don't care. Just fire that douchebag. I'm done. Like, I, I was done at that point. 
No, I agree. And even the way I couldn't believe it. I've 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 hated uh well first I've hated the way Petrie's played this this season, but I've hated how a lot of fans yeah. have turned on him. Yeah. And I think it was probably a good uh what do you want to say? A highlight of how bad you Sharm was when mm-hmm. we saw his attitude. He hated it. Some of his comments, Petrie is the most soft-spoken person on this team. Like, I think he's one of the most soft-spoken guys ever. Even when he speaks, he's got this big beard. He's like six foot two, and he's like, Yeah, guys. Um, yeah, like he's got the soft voice, and he was coming out yep. saying Ducharme doesn't have a system. He was saying he's saying everything except that in words. Like he was saying, I don't know what you want me to do. Yep. And it was time. It was time for Ducharme, Ducharme to go. Ducharme caused this guy to ask for a trade. Like he just signed his contract. <laughs> yeah. He just signed his contract. This is the first year of his contract. And already he's asking for a trade because Osama bin Ducharme just ugh, like, like, you know, we're <laughs> talking about World War III starting in Russia right now, right? Like <laughs> I think it started elsewhere. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, actually, I think, and this is a touchy subject. I mean, but like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to point out that in my opinion, and I'm being 100% serious right now. No, not, and this is not a dramatic take whatsoever. I don't think we'll ever see a coach as bad as Dominic Ducharme in sports ever again. Not just hockey. <laughs> I don't know. I, not just hockey. I, I, think, I think this is the worst we've, we've ever seen. I think we hired, like, honestly, San Luis just came from Bantam coaching, right? Uh. Bantam or Pee Wee? Yeah, one or the other. Yeah, whatever, right? Like, he came from coaching kids to coaching NHLers and is doing, like, a – oh, my God. They've gotten gotten 17 goals and allowed only eight uh, since Martin St. Louis came on, so. Oh, oh. yeah, since the five-game win streak. Yeah, it's – Yeah, it's it's fucking crazy. Well, it just – Ducharme, I think, is another classic example of Mark Bergevin was a replacement level player in the NHL, and he seemed to love Mm -hmm. hiring guys who like there's nothing wrong with people who weren't superstars in the NHL. Okay. Yeah. You need most guys aren't. But Dominic Ducharme was just another guy who Bergevin hired because he was like Bergevin. He hit the highest level he played was the AHL and he played six games. He got yeah. two points. Okay. He was not Trash. a great, yeah, he wasn't, he was a way better <laughs> hockey player than the three of us will ever dream of being, but he was also not a somehow superstar. better hockey player than he was a coach. Like that's exactly, that's exactly where I'm <laughs> two points in six AHL games did a better job. Like honestly, and I Bro, don't in, like in the NHL, he might've, he might as well have gone like, you know, mine. He, he had like minus 50,000 points. And I don't know how many games, man, he, he was in the negatives to me. I, and I, yeah, I just don't understand how GMs in this league expect low-profile players to to coach and develop high-profile stars like Caulfield and Suzuki. And that's I why I think you. Marty yeah. St. Louis is so great for them because he gets it, right? We, we can make the jokes thing. about yeah. size, but he knows what it means to be a high-skilled player in this league. And we knew we saw that from his first interview yeah. when he was saying, I hate systems as a player because they limited me. And when he yep. said that, I immediately thought of when he was in Tampa and that you ever seen that clip with Philly Tampa had that weird fucking system where yep. they, 
they and Philly was just holding it in their zone. I thought of that clip right away. I remember that. Know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, it, make the comparisons of height or whatever. It's good to have those high skilled players in your organization. And not only St. Louis, but I wanna I wanna get your thoughts on this. I think Vinny LeCavalier is gonna be a yeah. great addition to this team too. I think, you know, obviously we haven't seen them in a in a front office role yet. But I think, you know, just in terms of how much he's been able to, you know, to see around the league, I think, uh, I think from a guy who has a modern point of view on hockey from, you know, from every standpoint, from every standpoint, it seems, I think, I think the one thing with players, right, uh, especially ex-stars, right, is that they dominate their respective eras. And a lot of them will think that that's how the game should be played, right? But the game evolves. And I think that's where, you know, you have to, understand that's what you have to understand as an ex-player right especially if you want to become a coach not every superstar player has worked out in in as a gm or as a head coach cough cough patrick roy and wayne gretzky but uh so i'm gonna say it's really about understanding the evolution of the game and you know just having that point of you know because look at when you look at san louis right it's not like he was drafted first overall right he the guy was uh, undrafted he had to scrap his way to the nhl and as an undersized five, six player and became a superstar like that's he, he went through every stage. He went through the stages of a, of a plumber, a fourth liner, a third liner, a second liner, a good, a great, a good to great player. And finally, a superstar. Right. So he's seen it all. So he understands what every player is going through. And I think that's mm-hmm. where it's so valuable having that type of knowledge, because whether you're like a Cole Caulfield on the roster or you're uh, uh, Jake Evans, he's been there. And I think that's what matters most. And w- with Vinny Le Cavalier, he's, he's been with, he was with Salouy for like most of his career. And I think having, and he has that modern, you know, standpoint on hockey too. I think they're very similar in that regard. And I think that's what matters. And that's, what's, that's, what's going to bring value to uh, the organization. No, most definitely. And I think what was really interesting to hear and this is a trade that I think we can dissect now. I'm talking about the Toffoli one, but I don't mm-hmm. think we'll understand the, how, who won or the impact of it until years down the line. But I thought yeah. it was interesting to hear that Ken Hughes came out and said Heineman was the main part of this deal. And then we found out yeah. that LeCavalier had been scouting him for weeks yeah. in advance. So mm-hmm. like you said, I think LeCavalier is a guy who, yes, he's been retired for a while, but the game has changed. It hasn't changed that much, right? He's still played within the yep. last 15 years. So getting his what do you want to say? Go ahead on that trade. I think really got me from feeling down and disappointed about it to be kind of excited because Heinemann wasn't a guy I knew much about previously, to yeah. be honest. I was hoping for a guy like Zary or Jacob Coronado. Yeah. yeah, or Coronado. Right? I, I then, really, really wanted Coronado. Yeah. Yeah, and then you see Heinemann and you're like, who the fuck is that? Like, oh, yeah, no. A, it was underwhelming at first. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just, you know, it's... But there was this whole perception on Twitter, I remember that day, where because people didn't know about him, you know, they automatically assumed, oh, this is a bad trade for Montreal, right? I mean, look, one thing with prospects and picks, you have to be careful with, with trades like this because you have guys like Toffoli, right, who you know what they're going to bring to their team, right? He's a great fit on the Flames. You know, they don't play, they don't play like the fastest style of, uh, style of game, and Toffoli's not the fastest player, you know. He's played under, under Daryl Sutter, so he understands the system and everything. Um, so I think automatically this is a short-term win for the Flames at the very least. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Montreal side, right, we don't know what Heinemann's going to become. 
we know what type of player he can become. You know, he's a big, he's big, he can skate like the wind, uh, and he's got a great shot on him, right? So he can be, you know, a middle six player, maybe at best case scenario, a, a second line player. But the first round pick, we have no idea who that's going to be. We haven't picked, we haven't used the pick yet. So I think we, we have to wait a few years before judging this trade. I think in terms of value, it can look a little, a little underwhelming, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting that Hughes and Gordon came out and said that Heinemann was like their main target in this trade. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting, interesting to say. Not surprising, though, because Ken Hughes did say, look, we are going to be looking at trading for prospects, too, which I think yeah. is an unorthodox approach. But now hearing with reports that Pierre Lebrun said Montreal plans on, you know, at least engaging in signing some stars in the summer, it makes yeah. sense because I think and Corey, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this too, because we haven't even really discussed it between ourselves. But I think the the route that Gorton and Hughes are taking here is that they want to strip this team down. I believe that we're going to see a lot of guys leave in the summer, mm-hmm. but they want to they want to inject prospects into this system. They don't want to wait the five years, right? Yeah. They want to wait two or three because Heineman at 23-24, you expect him to be in the NHL and he should mm-hmm. be on the roster. So I think it's a really interesting. Yep modern style of rebuild that Gorton and Hughes are implementing here. And I'm honestly, I'm all for it. I love to see what they're doing so far. No, um, I I can, I can agree with that. Um, You know, we, we kind of shit on the, the sends earlier, but it's what we tend to say on here is, is, you know, uh, what they're going for is trying to implement these prop prospects and get them in. Now Um, it kind of, remind you of the senators uh, just in the aspect of they immediately allow these guys to come in and get as Mm -hmm. much time as they can. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We can move on from it, but they're not going to be sitting around and wasting their time in in Laval or, or wherever, you know, uh, which is unfortunate because I mean, what two years feels like two years ago, we had the, we had to talk about how we have all these great defensemen that'll probably never see the light of day uh, with the Habs just because there's so, there's just such a big line, and you know with them coming out and saying that it's going to be a prospect forward thing, we're going to strip it down to the bare necessities and let the future get a chance to prove that they're supposed to play on this team. If if I'm a prospect, if I'm someone like Jordan Harris or any of the other guys, I'm excited. I'm, I feel like I have a shot. I have a ticket to – I'm not skipping the line, but there will be an opportunity for me to prove that I'm supposed to be out there with them and not get pushed away and hope that maybe I get traded for my chance to fucking play with this team. Uh, well, let's, yeah. not, let's not ignore the fact either that we've been hearing for the last year and a half, two years, that Jordan Harris was probably going to leave and sign in Boston or New York. And the second – Mark Bergevin and Dominic Ducharme left this organization. Boom. Boom. He's signing here. Right. And so and I, mean, I didn't I'm get a chance surprised. to, I didn't get a chance. It like, it didn't work itself into the conversation with Ducharme earlier, but it was so integral for him to leave because, you know, you got this, you got Hughes and you got Gordon talking about, you know, the, the future and what they want to do. Granted, we're going to keep around Ducharme because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be forced to make our move ahead of when we want to. 
it just happened to work that way. But if I'm Jordan Harris and I'm watching Cole Caulfield go from, you know, expecting to be the Calder, you know, the Calder candidate for this season and to see him, you know, just look so unhappy. He's the most, you know, cherubish, exciting, happy player I've seen in the league forever. Well, yeah, Yeah. beyond talent. But he just looks like the love of the game is never going to leave him. And you look at him while during the Ducharme era of this season, he looked miserable. dead inside, miserable, yep. unsure what he's doing. And if I'm, you know, in the Jordan Harris situation, I'm like, he's looking at that and there's no way in hell he's fucking signing. If this is, if this is the product he's coming to, you know, now, I honestly would have encouraged him not to sign. I, I really would have. <laughs> I mean, like, we've had that conversation. As Ducharme was still in place and Bergevin was still in place. I'm sorry. Why would I do that? Like, He'd be losing out on potential millions of dollars yeah, because if I'm looking at it. if I'm looking at the kid who is is inevitably the fucking spark, you know, the excitement. Yeah. Falter and die like that after 20 games. I'm yep. fucking I'd rather play in Buffalo. Like yeah. fucking that's that's ridiculous. No, I agree with you. I'm gonna say this though about uh the points you brought up earlier, Corey, about um. yeah, with Gordon and Hughes wanting to bring free agents, like big-time free agents to Montreal as soon as this summer, I'm going to, like, I understand that a rebuild in Montreal, you know, in, in a hockey-crazed market like Montreal can't last five years. And, I, and I'm for that. I completely agree with that, right? It can't. And I like the fact that they're picking up prospects that they like, that they see a, a you know, future for in, on, on the roster. I'm going to say this, though. I don't think signing big-name free agents this summer would be the greatest idea because I think, you know, beyond this draft, right, let's say we end up with one of Shane Wright, Simon Nemec, and, uh, you know, or like, I don't know, Matthew Savoie, Logan Cooley, right? Is that really enough to push us over the top, right? Like, let's say we we go after Forsberg and Latang, Mm -hmm. I guess, right? You add those guys to the team. You have That's Suzuki. Enough, you, yeah. You've got Shane. It's not enough. But <clears> that <throat> team would not be bad enough to, you know, tank for the first overall pick next year. And let's mm-hmm. remember, 2023's, th- that draft. That's the year. Stacked. <laughs> That's, That's the fucking the year. year. You want to get a generational talent? You, you, <clears throat> you tank. You, you throw all your chips away. You tank for that year. So I think, you know, you know ideally, we, we stay off the free agent discussion this year. We tank another year. We get one of the top three picks, you know, like so either mm-hmm. Bedard, Michkov, or Fantelli. Or, and after that, you know, there's Jonathan Huberto in free agency. Yep. And I, I'm not, I don't know about you guys, but I'd fucking die for him on our team. Like, really. Like, imagine, <laughs> imagine that line Huberto, Bedard, and Caulfield like, one day. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd fucking, oh my God. <clears throat> I think, I think you know you have you've got those two guys on the team, like you know you add Bedard, Huberdeau, and whatever guy you're going to get in this draft, right? And I think this team you know, you can add complementary pieces, you can, but via trades, via you know uh, the draft, via free agent signings, and I think this team is set up well for the next uh, decade. I totally agree with you, and I think on the subject of signing. Big name free agents. I agree. Like, I don't think Montreal should go out and pursue a Forsberg 
a Latang. Um, I think it's Malkin's year too. Like, I don't think any of those guys. Bergeron. Be... I think Bergeron's the guy. You know, he's been brought up recently because Kent Hughes used to be his agent, mm-hmm. and I see the value in getting a guy like him because, you know, obviously you have, um, you know, uh, you know, Suzuki literally idolized him, uh, and. You know, obviously, you know, just having a guy like that playing over him, you know, not, not just him, you know, Jake Evans would learn a lot from him. Uh, if we got a center from the draft, he'd learn a lot from him. You know, Shane Wright, imagine him getting getting the chance to play with Bergeron his first year. That'd be huge. But at one, at one point, I don't think it's realistic because I think Bergeron is going to retire a Bruin. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily worth it, you know, paying all that money for a guy who's probably going to want to cash out for uh, for one more time, you know, on a longer term deal. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to ask for like a one or two year deal. I think he's going to ask for like a four year deal again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it depends. So, yeah. What Bergeron, I think Bergeron's a guy that if he wants to come to Montreal in a way, because I, I think I see Montreal as having two goals in this off season. One is establish themselves uh, a good analytics department and a scouting department that yeah. are going to be revamped and revitalized. And the second, they want to establish mm-hmm. themselves as a destination that players want to go to. So I think I agree yeah. with you. Bergeron, Bergeron, not Bergeron, comes <laughs> in and asks for a five years, $8 million deal. It's not going to happen. But if Bergeron comes in and says, two years, $6 million, I want to finish out my career in Montreal. How likely I, is that, though? I think you fucking said it. It's not. I it think it's very <laughs> unlikely, right? I, I think for a guy, you know, who, he's won one cup, you know, so he's not. It's not like he's ringless. But I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this, like, you know, we're so like it, it's it's not, you know, it's it's been a very short time since you know Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon joined, you know, since Marty Salui joined, you know, the vision is just getting started now, you know, we. Yeah the signs are there for it to be, you know, something encouraging, maybe, you know, to attract other players. Right. But there's nothing set in stone right now, you know? And I think for a guy like Bergeron, he want he'd probably want to compete for, you know, another cup at least, you know? So I think if he's not staying with Boston, he might, he might go to a team that like, that might give, that might give him that chance. No, I, in which I, I totally agree. I just, <clears throat> I think that's what, what the Bergeron news that I think we're hearing, I think is getting misinterpreted as, you know, they want him to come in and be this star player. I don't see that as the case. I think if Bergeron were to be signed, it would be signed as look, I'm finishing my career here. I just going to be a mentor and it's going to be a signing that's made with the idea of mentoring whoever we draft this year. And with saying, look, we're still a big name place, but I don't expect that to happen. What I expect is, I think Montreal, and it's a hot take, I think they're most likely to sign a goalie in free agency than they are any sort of star player because I don't know how you two feel about this, but yeah, I've torn my meniscus, which is what Carey Price is on the sideline for. It took yeah. me six weeks, not six months. So I think he's I don't, done. I, yeah, I don't think he's playing again. Really, I really don't. I, I actually, I'm, I, it's interesting that you bring that up because there's been rumors lately on Ilya Samsonov from Washington Mm -hmm. and he's not a free agent, but I think, you know, uh, you know, for interested in them and there's been rumors that the capitals want like it. I think, you know, Samsonov has been struggling in Washington and goalies, especially struggling goalies historically don't have like that high of a value. 
I think, you know, if you make a trade on the basis, you know, it doesn't have to be like liking him straight up for Samsonov. Because I think, you know, we'd have to, we'd probably have to add to that, you know, in Montreal's place, right? But, right. you know, in that framework, you know, I think maybe there's a deal to be made there. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm Samsonov's biggest fan and I'm not saying that's the trade I'd make because I'd still go for, you know, first round pick or like a really good prospect if I traded Lekanen. But I think if we're going for a goalie, I think it's more likely to be on via trade because I, I think they might be targeting a younger goalie and those don't appear often in free agency. I also think there's a possibility too, uh, regardless of if it's high or low possibility that the Habs may, you know, depending on what they see the rest of the year from Sam Montembeau, the reports are that they yep. love him. And I love him. I, I, I love think, him, man. Yeah, I think, I think he's got some potential. As a starter, yeah. as a, maybe not. <laughs> but I, as a backup, hell yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't I don't put a lot of score into really like what any goalie on Montreal has done this year. I don't yeah. really put a lot of validity to that because this team has been not just bad or historically bad. They've been historically the worst Habs team ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's hard to judge goalies, like you said, even when they're struggling, their trade value is weird. It's really hard to judge goalies when they have Ben Chirot and David Savard playing in front of them. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, on any regular, uh, on any regular team, right? Like, let's say Florida, actually, where where Matambo started the year. You put him there and you give him a good role on that team. I think he looks like one of the best backups backups in the league right now. Honestly, I think what he's done this year, you know, uh, as Montreal starter for most of the time has been, like, honestly underrated. You know, the analytics won't show it. And I've been a big analytics supporter, you know, for the last year, I think. But I don't think analytics really tell the full story all the time, especially for goalies. I think, you know, you got to be careful with that because it's really team-dependent for goalies, I'd say. Goalies are also magic. They just, like, yeah. like no one can explain the Hamburglar, right? Yeah. That one season in Ottawa. So yeah, magical. They just do what they do, and I don't think even they understand themselves. Yeah, honestly, it's the hardest position to to really understand. Like, you know, you can kind of you know see the trends with forwards, defensemen, but goalies, man, goalies have this pattern where one year they'll be amazing, and next year they'll just be completely garbage, right? But and you know, when it comes to the playoffs, for example. You can have Carey Price, who was bad in the regular season, but if he turns it up all of a sudden, if you have a hot goalie riding into the playoffs, anything can happen. Braden Holpe, the year they won it. Yeah, and since then, he's been complete trash. So, mm-hmm. I mean, well, you know, Matt Murray, twice. Yeah. What what team in the last 15 years has won the Cup without a hot goalie or Andre yep. Vasilevsky with goalie that's double the mm-hmm. regulation size? Like, other than that, <laughs> right? <laughs> They yeah. always have a hot goalie riding into the playoffs. Bennington and St. Louis, right? Um, yep. Even when San Jose didn't win, but Martin Jones was a god in those playoffs. They went against like since then, all all these guys have been trashed since like Martin Jones, Jordan Bennington, uh, Matt Murray. Uh, I mean, <laughs> list goes on. Honestly, yeah. Jonathan like you... Quick hasn't been that good since 2014. Uh, I mean, Corey Crawford's actually been quite decent. Vasilevsky's an exception because he's just, you know, he's Andre Vasilevsky, you know, the best goalie in the league, probably. 
Yeah. And he's got equipment the size of the Great Wall of China. Like, it's ridiculous. That photo will forever haunt me of him and Price. When I saw that shit the night we lost, uh, we lost in game five, I, <laughs> I was so pissed. But, you know, you can't, you know, Tampa oh, was the better team so it wouldn't I, I have guess. changed would not have changed anything but yeah we didn't play we didn't play up to up to standards you know we had Ducharme coaching us which is honestly you know I'll, I'll point this out with Price I think him bringing a Dominic Ducharme led team to the finals is honestly one of the most impressive feats in all of sports history I, I've never like you talk about Tom Brady coming back you know against Atlanta you know a few years ago I'm taking the Carey Price taking the taking this team to the finals as a more impressive feat. No, I totally mm-hmm. agree. I think yeah, it's, price I'm, taking was definitely great. And uh, I'm checking time here. Corey, how are we doing, buddy? Uh, we're sitting at about an hour's worth of content. Uh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> time, it flies, man. Time flies, yeah. man. Um, but no, I think, that, I think this has been a really good uh, – this has been a really good episode, a lot of, a lot of great talk. Uh, one thing I wasn't able For to get sure. in there, um, as far as, you know, we, we stated that we couldn't really see this team taking five years um, to rebuild. And I think yeah. with Kent Hughes, Gordon, LeCavier, and then St. Louis behind the bench, I mm-hmm. think this is the perfect group to uh, to make it, you know, to get it done faster. Just to see what Jeff Gordon yeah. was able to able to help do with the Rangers, I think that's a perfect man at the helm to um, to not rush the rebuild, but get the pieces needed to make it a successful team again. And yeah, that, that's just my ending statements on that stuff. But uh, definitely looks promising, man. Before we leave, we have a quick ad read, and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye to Michael and end the end of, end the episode. But uh, folks. This is a DraftKings ad read. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Remember, everyone, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code THPN and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 or older, uh, location re- requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. You always void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit a gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. You can call or text the TN red line. That's 1-800-889-9789. Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. And in New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. You know the song. Um, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Michael. Uh, Mason, obviously, being on, it's man. always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. But uh, 
folks, we're going to wrap it up right here. Thank you guys so much for listening to Habs Nightly. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Habs Nightly, myself at Bayou Benders. Michael, what is yours now? At uh, uh, Caulfield Habs 2 on Twitter. Caulfield Habs 2. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.